Welcome to General Conference. Press on. Hold fast. Heed not. If we want to find balance in life, and if we want the Savior to lift us heavenward, then our commitment to Him and His gospel can't be casual or occasional. You're stronger than you think. Help is available from others and especially from God. You are loved and valued and needed. We need you. Fear not and believe only. When the storms in life come, you can be steady because you are standing on the rock of your faith in Jesus Christ. We have never needed positive spiritual momentum more than we do now to counteract the speed with which evil and the darker signs of times are intensifying. The kingdom of glory we receive in the final judgment is determined by the laws we chose to abide in our Heavenly Father's loving plan. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to General Conference Review, the podcast all about what the prophets, seers, and revelators of these last days share at General Conference. And we ask the important question, how have we taken what we have heard in General Conference and applied those principles into our lives? Merry Christmas and welcome back to General Conference Review. I'm your co-host, Todd Bruce, and joining me is Kevin Beamer. How's it going, Kevin? Uh, uh, a Merry Christmas to you, Todd, and also cold, cold. I think cold, I'm cold. Minus, minus 26 right now, and you're you're similar with a little more wind chill. It's, uh, it is not happy. I'm at the, the, the height of the Rockies. I'm, uh, it's, it's with wind chill. It's about minus 37 uh, Celsius, which if you add a couple more degrees to that or subtract a couple degrees... Uh, it's pretty close to minus minus forty Fahrenheit for for our American listeners. It's uh, it's cold and it's not fun, but uh, you know what? Fun thing to do at minus forty is take a boiling pot of water outside and throw it up in the air and watch it evaporate before it hits the ground. It's actually impressive, and it only works with boiling water, which is so interesting to me. Yeah, it's got to be angry hot and against yeah. the angry cold, and then it turns to snow. And uh, we do it like yeah. once every three years, and then we're like. Okay, I don't need to see that temperature ever again. <laughs> I didn't need to see it when I first saw it. <laughs> the little things we got to do. Yeah. Um, well, today we are going to cover uh, Elder David A. Bednar's uh, general conference talk from October 2022, Put on Thy Strength, O Zion. Uh, and I got to say, I, I, I have a man crush on... Elder Bednar, as I have a crush on most of the apostles, but uh, he was a uh, he was the the dean or the president of BYU Idaho when it first became BYU Idaho, and I managed to get a semester in. I think a year or two after it became BYU Idaho, and uh, and I got to listen to him and and his wife give devotionals every I don't know if it was Tuesdays or Wednesdays. It was hundred years ago now, and I can't remember, um, but I appreciated his him then and I was pretty excited when he became an apostle and I've I've, I've enjoyed listening to him uh, another interesting side note is we just had Elder Yagi join us for state conference 
and he really uh, I'm sure he wouldn't speak I'm sure he wouldn't speak down about any of the apostles but he spoke very highly about uh, Elder Bednar and how what kind of scriptorian he is and and a lot of the uh, messages he's able to share with with the uh, the apostles and the Quorum of the Seventy and so I, I appreciated that little tidbit he shared so Oh, very um, cool. Yeah, any thoughts on David Bednar there, well, Kevin? I remember being a big fan of his, especially when he first came in and his apostle. And remember he talked about uh, family and, you know, men professing their love for their spouses and wives. And I think he gave like a specific example in one of his talks in one of his early conferences about how uh, saying that you love your family in a testimony meeting is just not good enough. And that that needs to be regularly, they need to know and see and yeah. be told uh, the love that you have for them and stuff like that. So I've been a big fan of his since day one of him being an apostle. And also, at one point, he came to our stake when he was a new apostle to set apart a new stake president. I was not living in our stake at the time, but I remember my brother was like getting selfies with him and stuff. I don't think we called him selfies. It was a long time ago. <laughs> that <laughs> wasn't the term back then. But just no. sort of that also connection to our area, right? To, yeah. That's the stake that you and I are part of. I recall that my wife and I were sealed the day before. And uh, we drove straight to from Cardston to Cranbrook. And we were living in Lethbridge at the time, but we were able to come and visit uh, the, the home stake for that, for that visit. Oh, cool. It was, it was good. I actually, one thing I remember him saying was that our stake wouldn't start to grow unless we repented. <laughs> and, and I was like, "Dang, he does not mince words. He is telling yeah. it like it is." And yeah, he does not like us. I mean, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> well, I think it was like we needed to be make sure we're doing the right things, and I think that's a great thing about his talks as well. He his general conference talks. He doesn't mince words. He mm -hmm. he's uh, he's you know, and he's very uh, Maxwellian. I want to say Neil A. Maxwell. Okay, I gotcha. In his in his you know how he how he presents his messages and some of the. Yeah. Some of the things he comes up with, the tender mercies of the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I'm, I'm going to blank on some of the other messages that he shared over the That's years. That's okay. Anyway, he's great. That's the whole point. Today, he's talking about parables. And, and one parable of, uh, uh, <clears throat> one parable um, specifically, but he, he starts by saying, the intended meaning or message of a parable typically is not expressed explicitly. Rather, the story only conveys divine truth to a receiver in proportion to his or her faith in God, personal spiritual preparation, and willingness to learn. Thus, an individual must exercise moral agency and actively ask, seek, and knock to discover the truths embedded in a parable. And uh, like it's, it's, we're going to come back to that a little bit because we're going to talk about a parable. I think most of us. Uh, I, well, I'm speaking for myself mostly, but uh, I've taken for granted and I didn't really recognize the importance of this specific parable and what it's trying, the message it's trying to share. Mm -hmm. It's not as sexy as some of the other parables. Let's yeah, say yeah, because that. that's, that's how I usually talk about Christ's words. <laughs> <laughs> that's some of his, his sexier teaching. <laughs> it's right, it's right. It's a higher profile. It gets more yeah. attention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I, I really like the idea of parables, and I really like his next small little paragraph right after that, where he says, I earnestly pray that the Holy Ghost will enlighten each of us as we now consider the importance of the parable of the royal marriage feast. And the reason I like that 
is because how we talked about parables, you've got to actively seek or ask, seek, and knock to discover the truth. But even when you do that, a year later, a few years later, you're going to get different answers. And that's what I like about this is when he's talking about, I pray that the Holy Ghost will enlighten you. So even if at some point in time you've been like, oh yeah, the Royal Marriage Feast, I've put a lot of diligent effort into this. I've asked, seeked, I've knocked, I've discovered some truths about it. But you're at a different stage in life uh, now than you were then. So there's still something new for you to get as long as you're open to that. And yeah. so I do appreciate this. I appreciate the parables itself, uh, which is a great, great method to teach the gospel by our lovely Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, absolutely. And, and interesting enough, in this talk, he's going to quote James E. Talmadge, Jesus the Christ. And I've read Jesus the Christ a couple of times. And he shares things that I'm like, well, I've read that book and I don't remember reading this. <laughs> Speaking of uh, spiritually prepared or seeking or what have you, maybe I recall it vaguely, but like, you know, you're reading the Talmud, it's a thick book and you're reading it. And anyway, I, I guess I need to read it with a, with a finer tooth comb. Yeah, I've attempted yeah. Jesus the Christ once and not attempted it a second time. But I, that's something I, I need to actually write down right now that I'm going to attempt that again. It's That's an a intimidating good. book, but it's, it is. it's good. And what really helped for me, it's kind of like The Chosen in that, but in book form. Like it, oh, okay. read, it really outlined yeah. the order of how things happened. Yeah. I always struggled with the Gospels and what happened and when. And yeah. Like, like it was, it was, I, I could never get it straight, even though there's the, the scriptures clearly have a chronological order of how things happened. I never, yeah, yeah. I, I still struggled. And uh, yeah. reading reading it in Jesus the Christ helped put it in in uh, order for me a little bit. Perfect. And and some of the messages Talmud shares is just they're just amazing. So anyway, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, the okay. Royal Marriage Feast. He we're gonna, not going to read it uh, all right. I'll, I'm going to just <clears throat> kind of recap it a little bit. But he says the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. So. Um, He's comparing it to a king. The king's a big deal. You know, the son's getting married. He's happy for him. He's invited everybody, everybody and their dog to the wedding. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, we're going to celebrate. We're going to have, you know, in, 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 the, in, in Israelite culture, uh, marriages are a big deal. They're like a week-long celebration. They're a big yeah. deal. And, uh, and they go and it's spare no expense and everyone ha has a good time. And, and he invites everybody lets them know that he's sparing no expense and uh they don't care they make light of it they went mm -hmm. to go on their way and you know, one to his farm one to his another to his merchandise they just don't they're not worried about it well and and with that at this time it was i think elder bedner talks about that this invitation is not just an invitation it's essentially a command <laughs> yeah. like you have to do like you're expected to do this this is something you have to do but he's also gone forward and he's saying, you know, we're going to eat this and it's going to be delicious, right? Like all these really cool things. This is, I I would say to my teenagers to mock them, this is going to be lit. Uh, <laughs> so, right. That's what's going on here. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, not a chance, not yeah. coming, not interested. Yeah. And uh, which, you know, boggles the mind because... You know, and, and yeah, it boggles the mind in that 
something that's so exciting, so awesome, so uh, amazing that we get to participate in and not mm-hmm. just just to outright to dismiss it. That's what we well, had me at free food. They lighted it and went their way. Yeah, uh, if you make light of something, it's like you just don't care. You dismiss yeah, it. Yeah. Completely. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I always think of that. Uh, there's always a joke on sitcoms and whatever about the uh, the Nigerian prince who's just sending emails and no one <laughs> yeah, yeah. respond. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the Nigerian prince that's trying to get people to give them the money, <laughs> give them money and nobody wants to take it. But yeah, uh, clearly that's a scam and this is not. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> that's yeah. a great analogy there, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Came with some band aids, but we got there. Okay. Uh, well, he adds, he quotes Talmud here when he says, the refusal to attend the King's Feast was a deliberate act of rebellion. And, uh, and it reflects their misguided priorities and total disregard of the King's will. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that's anything that we would like to be associated with. Yeah. We'd like to, you know, be... I yeah. think, and, and there's a difference between disobedience, the difference between sinning and disobedience and there's and deliberate acts of rebellion mm-hmm. and i think that some of our learning processes and deliberate acts of rebellion is like wanton rebellion it's like i'm going out of my way to, yeah. to refuse you or, or or not care i have more of an understanding and i still don't care yeah yeah that's sons of perdition level rebellion yeah. So anyway, then, the parable continues. He says, yeah. then saith he to his servants, he goes, you know, he's like, hey, the, the wedding's ready. And I, and I see there's lots of people who chose not to come. Why don't we go out to the road here and just like drag people in? Let's get mm-hmm. them, like, get, get them all in. Let's just fill this place. We've prepared for thousands of people and we have hundreds. Let's get yeah. thousands of people. So they just go out yeah. and get as, as many as they can. And uh, all the people and, uh, and the wedding got filled up. And, uh, you know, the, he, James Talmadge goes into detail about how the, the custom of the day was the, the uh, wedding um, guests would be provided uh, garments, would be provided a wedding, um, basically uh, an outfit, and mm-hmm. put everyone on equal standing because they all got the same outfits, they all looked the same, and they all, you know, yeah. as opposed to, um, you know, certain people getting outlandish outfits and it put everyone on the same playing field and everyone got mm-hmm. to go eat and everyone it was it was a wonderful wonderful uh, experience and uh as as the wedding feast is progressing uh the king enters the wedding hall and he surveys the audience and uh, notices that there's there's one man that was not in this wedding uh garment and they came f- forward and asked him and, and he goes uh, friend how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment and he was speechless now speechless then in this context means uh, basically he had no no answer no response mm-hmm. and, uh, <clears throat> and the man the, Talmud goes on and continues saying the unrobed guest was truly uh, that, that the unrobed guest was guilty of neglect intentional disrespect or some more grievous offense is plain from the context the king at first was graciously considerate inquiring only as to how the man had entered without a wedding garment had the guest been able to explain his exceptional appearance or had he any reasonable excuse to offer he surely would have spoken 
but we are told that he remained speechless. The king's summons had been freely extended to all whom his servants had found, but each of them had to enter the royal palace by the door. And before reaching the banquet room in which the king would appear in person, each would be properly attired. But the deficient one, by some means, had entered by another way, and not having passed the attendant sentinels at the portal, he, at the portal, he was an intruder. Uh, which, again, I've read a couple of times because I've read Jesus the Christ, but I've never registered uh, mm -hmm. this wedding feast being the kingdom of God or or God's presence, and that there's someone could even be an intruder or be get there in some other way. Kind of this wrinkles, is, my, wrinkles my brain to, to think about. Yeah, this is such an interesting uh, parable in and of itself, right? Because I think of, uh, at first, he's having this big feast, the king, for this wedding, for his son, and he invites his subjects. And the subjects are the ones that are like, not a chance, we're not interested, we have no respect for you, or whatever that looks like. Yeah. And then he's like, well, we'll just take anyone. <laughs> yeah, anyone. <laughs> We've got food. Uh, anyone who wants to come celebrate, we'll take. And then even then, there's people that are like, oh, I'm here for the food, but I don't respect you, so I'm not going to put on your stupid robe. Yeah. Right? Like, that's sort of the idea. Like, I'm here for this. I don't respect you. I don't like you at all. Uh, so I'm going to openly rebel or openly mock you kind of idea. Ha ha. So, yeah, it's just such an interesting thing because as a subject, <laughs> you would expect that you would show up. And yeah. as a follower of Christ, I would hope that if he was having, inviting me to something that I'm listening. Yeah, I would hope so too. <clears throat> and, and as we continue to learn more and more about this parable, as we go, it'd be interesting to see where we fall into which of these categories mm -hmm. are we a subject? Are we one of these last highway people that get drug in? Um, you know, hopefully we're, either which way hopefully we're obedient and, and, and listening and getting there um, mm -hmm. I do appreciate that he shared uh, uh, John O. Reed he's a Christian author uh, who shared a lot of thoughts on this uh, that other uh, uh, Bednar uh, borrows and shares with us uh, he said the, the man's refusal to wear the wedding garment exemplified blatant disrespect for both the king and his son he did not simply lack a wedding garment rather he chose not to wear one he rebelliously refused to dress appropriately for the occasion uh again there's that word rebellious mm -hmm. uh you know rebellion is it's dangerous it's, mm -hmm. it's dangerous yeah and it's interesting, like the ways that we rebel, like even going back to the very first part, when they don't come to the marriage, uh, they they don't come because they turn to the farm and another to his, uh, pretty much his, his work. Yeah. No, no, I, I'm, I got to work. Can't, can't get the time off. I'm busy or I've got this thing that I've planned already. Uh, when the most important thing in this situation is this celebration. Yeah. Hey, hey, nobody got time to, to do that, I got to work. Yeah, yeah. I got to tend to my things. And how many times do we do that? Yeah. That could be any one of us. Oh, completely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've definitely I, seen I, myself there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty much most of sort of the summary of this parable. I think there's a paragraph at the end there. I think that you're going to just go over for us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, that's mine. The king's no, touch. Right. Sorry, my my screen has seventeen different colors on it now. And <laughs> which ones are mine and which ones are yours? I, I lost track because I started reading things we didn't highlight. Uh, <laughs> the king's judgment of the man is not based primarily upon the lack of a wedding garment, but that he was in fact determined not to wear one. The man desired the honor of attending the wedding feast, but did not want to follow the custom of the king. He wanted to do things his own way. His lack of proper dress revealed his inner rebellion against the king and his instructions. Um, and again, we're just talking about rebellion. We're talking about, I like the line, he wanted to do things his own way. That's mm -hmm. a surefire way to, to fall short. Yeah, life. completely. In anything, not even spiritual, but in anything. Oftentimes it's, if you're not going to listen and take input from others or humble yourself enough to get help. Yeah. It's I know this is tax law, but I'm going to do it this way. <laughs> I know this is how the game is played, but I'm going to do it this way. Like, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's not going to work out. And I think that yeah. comes down to psychologically is a little bit of superhero or Superman complex that some of us have yeah. that we think that we're above the law. We think that we're above, we're not going to get caught. We're not going to get, you know, we can, we can tough it out. We can struggle and we can manage. Or we um, deserve and, this. You know, in in the church, especially, many of us know the the answer. I did yeah. I did this to a, a someone in my ward. His his wife was stressed because he had injured himself and wouldn't go to the, do the the doctor. Yeah, yeah. And so she was venting to the Relief Society president, and the Relief Society president vented to me. And so I yep. called him. I texted him, and I said, "Hey, I got." A, and he's a dentist, right? So I texted him. I said, "Hey, I got a question. I got a toothache." I hit my tooth real bad. I hit my mouth real bad. Now my tooth is really sore. Um, I'm wondering if I should bother to go to see a dentist. He's like, yeah, come on in. You, you definitely should. You shouldn't leave it alone. You should definitely get it attended to by somebody who knows what they're looking at. You tricker. And I said, well, you know, my tooth's actually fine, but I heard you hurt your ankle. <laughs> he's like, darn it, Bishop, you got me. <laughs> And he had to go to the doctor. He went and he ended up, it wasn't sprained. It wasn't broken, but it, you know, it was good that he went for peace of mind for him and his wife. Yeah. And, that's uh, funny. And get some instruction on how to, you know, and most of us know how to manage a, a, a bad ankle. I think he wiped out on a, off a motorbike. So it was, uh, it wasn't like gotcha. he twisted it or anything, but yeah. Um, anyway, I still joke with him about that. I, I got that's him. funny. Um, that's funny. You know, he wanted to do things his own way. He wanted, he wanted to tough it out, man up, just manage. Yeah, yeah. He didn't want to put anyone out. He didn't want to be inconvenienced. Yeah. Inconvenience yeah. anyone. But it's important that he goes for his own sake and for his wife's sake. And, yeah. Uh, there's so many times in this gospel that we know what the right thing to do is. We just refuse to do want to do it. Or won't listen to it. Yeah. Well, yeah, we for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No? Completely. Like if, if I know there's something I need to do and somebody else is struggling, I, I can give them that advice 10, 10 days a, or seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Mm -hmm. But if it's something I have to do, oh man, it's like pulling teeth. Mm -hmm. When I know that that's something I need to be doing. And yeah, I, yeah. you know, it's, it's how life is designed, but 
Um, yeah. We need to get to a point where we're willing to show up to this wedding feast without mm-hmm. being drugged there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting. And then this parable, uh, obviously, Elder Bednar talks about the parable in between and going. And then he gets to the section where it's many are called, but few are chosen. And he talks about that, that this parable, right, that's from this parable, many are, for many are called, but few are chosen. And that this is kind of the crux of the thing. There are all these people were called, they were invited, but they didn't end up being chosen. And then he clarifies what that means. So I'm just going to jump into that. And he says, to be or to become chosen is not an exclusive status conferred upon us. Rather, you and I ultimately can choose to be chosen through the righteous exercise of our moral agency. Please note the use of the word chosen in the following familiar verses from the Doctrine and Covenants. Behold, there are many called, but few are chosen. And why are they not chosen? Because their hearts are set so much upon the things of this world and aspire to the honors of men. I believe the implication of these verses is quite straightforward. God does not have a list of favorites to which we must hope our names will someday be added. He does not limit the chosen to a restricted few. Instead, our hearts, our desires, our honoring of sacred gospel covenants and ordinances, our obedience to the commandments, and most importantly, the Savior's redeeming grace and mercy, determine whether we are counted as one of God's chosen. And I really like that because oftentimes we've heard that chosen people, chosen, uh, there's, right, you said the TV show, The Chosen, which follows Christ's life, which is a really good show. Um, But that example of this wedding feast where it's like, okay, I've invited you. Oh, you didn't come. Well, I'm going to invite anyone. Everyone's welcome to come. You just pretty much have to put on a robe. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty wide open. We've got to be willing it, to show up and be willing to, to wear what the, what we've been asked to wear. Yeah. To, to have your hearts and your desires. And that's what makes you chosen. And that's kind of a really cool thing that uh, it's our step, our what we do with our moral agency that determines whether we're chosen. And there's a whole bunch of blessings that come with being chosen, which is lovely. Um, And speaking of parables and like further enlightened knowledge and further understanding, uh, the parable of the 10 virgins, I used to think that that was about members of the church and people like good people, not bad people or members of the church and non-members of the church. It wasn't until later in life that I learned that it, that all of the virgins in that parable are members of the church. Yeah, yeah. And only half of them have enough oil yeah. to withstand the, or last the night. And I yeah. think if you relate it to basically everyone at the wedding feast are members of the church or have are, have been baptized as, hmm. as taking upon ourselves the name of Christ, but not all of us are choosing to wear, wear the, the wedding garment. Yeah, even though we're 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 we've we've shown up and we've attended, we're not doing the things that we've been asked to do. Mm-hmm. Which is a scary thought that there are, there are members among us who are are struggling or are not not a place to be to be there. But but it becomes pretty straightforward though when you think about it now that you've been in a calling like bishop, right? Yeah, where it's like, oh yeah, there's only a certain amount of people or percentage that will do anything. Right. Like it's, you know what it, right. Like well, there's only yeah. a certain, yeah, you, we've got to recycle the same people in different callings because there's not a lot of, a uh, lot of us that want to put in effort. Yeah. You certainly have the 90, 10 rule. 
Uh, yeah. You know, 90% of the work is done by 10% of the, the, the ward, but uh, there are others who step up and it's neat to watch oh, for them sure. step up and be given opportunities to lead. And, uh, and I think, honestly, I think that's what, what's happened in our ward in the last few years in that uh, there was always an older generation that were always yeah, yeah. the ward council or the, the bishopric or the whoever with like, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of younger people. Well, when I was called to be bishop, we have, we have one member of our ward council who is uh, above, well, when I was called, above, uh, we'll say above 45. Gotcha. Pretty young. Everyone is younger than 45, which isn't that young, I guess. But That's it, pretty young for... It feels younger than it used to be. <laughs> but I, guess, but I guess I was a kid and they all seemed yeah. old back then. But yeah, but you don't notice that when you're young. You don't know that no. it's only so many people that put in the effort. But then yeah. as you grow, you're like, oh, okay, this is this is why that person keeps getting a calling. <laughs> it's true. And we've it's been noted that a lot of people get recycled in all the different presidencies and all the different so it's 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 yeah. about trying to give other people opportunities, but it's um yeah. it's it's tough because Sometimes and, and they just don't wear the robe. Bishop, where we had an elder scorn president called who never really showed up. Oh, wow. uh, and they struggled. The, my dad was in the bishopric at the time, and he, they wondered why, why they were inspired to call this person uh, yeah. or recommend this person to the stake. And he didn't show up. And, and the thought was, well, they have to be given an opportunity. Sure. Okay. They have to be given an opportunity to yeah, step, yeah. step up. But, um, and it, it, you know, didn't work out, or maybe there's things that were learned, or give give other people opportunities to step up, or, or what have you. But uh, yeah, we know that are interesting, and the church is yeah, interesting. But uh, we know that there's other things that go into everything, right? Like we're not a silo. We're not a Todd oh, yeah. Bruce as bishop. We're your Todd Bruce's father, spouse, yeah. worker, son, you know, brother, whatever. All those things, and so sometimes those get in the way. Well, and that, uh, that's that individual, okay. that uh, former Elder Scorn president isn't written off. No. He's not. He's going to be given other opportunities to lead yeah, and other yeah. opportunities to, you know, put on the garment. But uh, yeah. anyway, it's an interesting, interesting opportunity that we're given in, in the church and in our lives to be given opportunities mm -hmm. to, to, to grow. And, and yeah. what we do with it, uh, as we've talked about several times here, that it's kind of on us a little bit mm -hmm. uh, and we need to prepare ourselves and get ourselves in a position to be those people that the lord can rely on yeah, yeah, yeah um jumping back in the talk here i like this this uh scripture i had to i had to go find it in my my book of mormon make sure i had it uh, mar marked up appropriately but it's uh second Nephi 25 23 and he, he reads for we labor diligently to write to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. And he carries on <clears throat> in the busyness of our daily lives and the, and in the commotion of contemporary world in which we live, we may be distracted from the eternal things that matter the most uh, by making pleasure, prosperity, popularity, and prominence our primary priorities our short-term preoccupation with the things of this world and the honors of men may lead us to forfeit our spiritual birthright for far less than a mess of pottage. 
And again, that's pretty. He hit alliteration aside. He hit. He uh, he he's, he hits a home run here as far as you know, kind of kicking our butts a little bit and making mm-hmm. sure that we understand. Yeah, uh, that we should not be. Um, that we should be focused on the appropriate things. That we that that there's things that we're letting go, uh, mm-hmm. for things that don't matter. And, Completely. Uh, and it's and it's gonna it's gonna bite us. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on any of that? Uh, the fantastic alliteration just blows me away. <laughs> <laughs> Making pleasure, prosperity, popularity, and prominence our primary priorities. Just fantastic. But I, uh, I had to get a thesaurus to try and do it, and then it wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Uses. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but with that. It's definitely true, right? Like we get busy and we just sort of forget. And I've had times right where it's like, oh, I've got to do this, this, and this. And even though I've got reminders in my phone, I've got reminders in my, you know, Outlook calendar at work, you get to the end of your day and you're like, oh man, yeah, I've missed these three or four things. And I had reminders, but life just got away on me. And so it's really easy to fall into that busyness of daily lives. And whatever that is, whether it's, and sometimes we do that by focusing on our church colleagues too much and, you know, neglecting our, our families or our spouses or our work. Like these are, to say that it's just one thing that uh, we forget about spirituality is not true. It's, it can be reversed for sure. Most of the time though, it is definitely, we, we miss out on our spirituality, our growth. And we miss yeah. out on helping others and following after Christ uh, because that's not, maybe that's out of our wheelhouse, right? It's really easy to follow at this time of day. I get up, I go to work, pick the kids up from school, take the kids to this. Uh, I've got this appointment, right? Like it's really easy to fall into that day-to-day routine yeah. and not have at Oh, at 5.07 p.m., I'm going to do a Christ-like thing. <laughs> That's, well, it's uh, We talk about this from time to time, but it's really easy to get get distracted by an administration of the gospel. Yes. Not ministering in the gospel. Yeah. And we get we get doing all the things. This yeah. is what we have to talk about, and this is what we have to look at. And yeah. This is what we have to, as opposed to the, the, the ministering and the focusing on... Uh, Making sure people are getting are getting ministered to and, and cared for, and which is what we've been asked yeah. to do. I actually had a fantastic visit with a good friend of mine, uh, who's not religious at all, and he had actually talked about that he's been reading the Tao, scripture sort of scripture text, recently, and he talked about how he he doesn't really love Western religion, uh, based upon some of the shortfalls that he talks about but as he was describing what he's reading and learning uh i sort of talked to him about how it's so interesting how a lot of religions throughout the world have a very similar main theme yeah. right like better yourself treat others well the golden rule yeah and, maybe, and there's there's a higher power of some sort right and then we all get worried about the admin of that yeah okay so like what is our religion we came here to earth to become like God. Uh, We're told to become like Christ while we're on earth. And that's our religion. (laughs) That's it. Love love God and love one another. Like that's it. 
So we're supposed to become better. But then we get caught up on, well, this is what the word wisdom says. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, this friend also talked about how oftentimes Western religions are super judgy. And he talked yeah. specifically about whatever. I'm like, that's true. And we're told not to be. <laughs> right? Like, it's just interesting because we focus on the wrong stuff, even trying to be good and spiritual. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to drag people up by judging them. Yeah, it's a it's negative reinforcement. Yeah, it doesn't work. Or, <laughs> or it's the natural man trying to boost ourselves. Ah, well, oh, I'm not completely. doing so bad because look at that guy. I used to do that all the time. About friends and maybe their husbands. I'm like, oh, he's not as good as me. I'm like, <laughs> why am I putting so much effort in? <laughs> but but if there was a husband that was better than me, I never compared myself to him. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that guy's amazing. I'm not even gonna yeah. Yeah. start comparing. Yeah, I don't. I don't care. <laughs> no. no, it's okay. I, hey, we're yeah. all working on something. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean he doesn't do that at home? Oh, why am I doing that at home? Right, just ridiculous thoughts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we 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 usually tend to go down that that road. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I always think of, uh, yeah, I always think of whenever we get, whenever my wife and I get compared, you know, this game we play where we look at other couples and just like, I know how Jamie and I operate, my wife and I, Jamie. I know how yeah. we operate. I don't know how other couples operate. I don't yeah. know their dynamic. I don't know their relationship. I don't know how they yeah. organize their finances. I don't know how they manage their yeah. kids. Um, yeah. There's about a billion different ways to do it. And so we get looking at other couples and we're like, you know, oh, well, maybe that's something we could do better or maybe that's something we could. Yeah. And then we start thinking about some of the things that doing that would take away in our life. And we're like, nah, no, we're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so we're, we're all just figuring it out. And that's the joy of this life for individually as, as a, as a couple and as, as a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's great because here in, in the elder Bednar's talk, he quotes the prophet uh, Haggai. He goes, now, he says, uh, now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Mm-hmm. So whether it's your marriage, your yeah. own life, or your calling or whatever, consider your ways. Think about what you're doing and think about things you could do better. And, and, and not to say you're like awful, this awful human yeah. being, but you know what? We could all be a little better. There's something we could all do Completely. to help us to to grow a little closer, be a little more obedient, uh, yeah. be a little nicer to our children and wives and coworkers and whatever. And I love, so I think you're going to read the next paragraph, but I'm going to jump in before you do. That's I love fine. to try to compare to nowadays and our prophet, Russell Nelson says, repent daily. Yeah. Which is the same thing as consider your ways. Oh, What's definitely. going good for me? What did I do well? What can I work on? And he talked about that, right? He didn't just say repent daily. He talked about daily repentance and what that is, about that self-reflection every day and working on stuff and becoming a better person. Uh, but it's the same thing that's been being said by prophets for thousands of years. Yeah. <laughs> Consider it's, it's your not, ways. <laughs> it's nothing new. And, yeah. and I had this conversation, uh, I can't remember when it was, but somebody listened. President Nelson changed enough things in the church that, one general conference, he didn't change something, and somebody was disappointed that he didn't change anything. No, oh, it was just a, a humdrum, generic general conference. It was good, but it was, you know, he didn't change anything. Yeah. And I was like, you know, more often than not, he's not that nothing is going to 
there's not going to be any dramatic change. No. That's again administration of the gospel. Yeah. The the ministering or the meat is is the doctrine, and mm-hmm. this is the doctrine. Consider your ways, repent daily. You know, yeah. self reflect, identify yeah. things we could be doing. You know, Elder Bednar goes. Each of us should evaluate our temporal and spiritual priorities sincerely and prayerfully to identify the things in our lives that may impede our, the bounteous blessings that Heavenly Father and the Savior are willing to bestow upon us. And surely the Holy Ghost will help us to see ourselves as we really are. Um, it's not rocket surgery. We've been asked to do some sim- very simple things. And I think half the time we just need to get out of our own way mm-hmm. and, and let go of that pride. Yes, we've been invited to a wedding feast. Yes, we have a thousand things to do. But where, what, what's the most important thing is to, to be obedient and love God. He's mm-hmm. asked us to show up. Let's show up. He's asked us to wear a wedding garment. Let's put on a wedding garment. Yeah. There's no reason for us to be bitter and upset and, and prideful and refusing to, to do the simple things that he's asked us to do. Yeah. And uh, when this quote, which I think is the principle that we want to take from the whole talk, evaluate yourself uh, and figure out what you can to stop impeding the bounteous blessings that are coming your way. And it just makes me think of, because we just covered this and come follow me, Malachi 3, 8 to 10, and tithing and the Lord saying, prove me herewith. And then he talks about that he will open the windows of heaven. And the other time someone pointed that this out, uh, maybe the teacher in our Sunday school lesson this past week about the other time that the windows of heaven were opened in the scriptures, at least talks about Noah and the flood and how when the earth was flooded, the windows of heaven were open. And so that just brings to mind that flooding our life with blessings. So you, you, our, our father you, in wants to do that. Yeah. What's that? Uh, I've been on the roof. If, if riches is a, 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 a trial, may God strike me down that I may never recover. <laughs> Can you imagine being blessed so much that we're drowning and blessed? Yeah. But, but that's it, right? We're being <laughs> flood. Prove us to be flooded with these blessings. And, but we get in the way. And so uh, I hope that me personally, that I'm able to take some time and to apply this in my life and say, hey, wait a minute, what can I work on? And at the very end, he talks, uh, once again, quotes some scripture from Isaiah 52.1, where it says, awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. And I just think that a lot of times we are slumbering, uh, that we're not fully engaged, that we're not fully into something. But when we get engaged, the change in our life is immense, whether it's engaged in uh, trying to lose weight and you start to go to the gym regularly and you start to eat healthy. You see these crazy benefits that you don't if you're only halfway in. I think oftentimes, personally, I treat the gospel as halfway in. Yeah. So awake, awake and put on the strength of Zion. I just love that. Awake, wake up, wake up, evaluate your life and wake up and make some better choices about priorities. And I bear testimony that I've done that in my life at different times. And it's been immensely rewarding. And I've seen, I can look back now and see the growth that happens from doing that. And I bear testimony of that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I echo that, Kevin. I I can testify for myself and for those that I've seen uh, that... There is a difference in 
when we are putting effort in and uh, the work moves forward when people are engaged and when we are engaged and it changes lives and changes souls and, and it changes our life and our soul. And, uh, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that knowledge and I'm grateful for uh, the efforts that, uh, that people make in their own life and, and in others' lives, others' lives, because it's not easy all the time. And I'm grateful for a loving Heavenly Father who's patient and willing to give me multiple tries, because I am uh, I'm proudful and stubborn, and I, uh, I you know need all the the uh, patience and love that that He can afford, because because I uh, I look a goat. I'll get there eventually, but uh, I'll be stubborn about it. <laughs> anyway appreciate you kevin okay. thanks this is our Thank longest you, podcast i think uh, ever yeah we're 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 rocking it tonight <laughs> it a good one. sorry for being so long uh sorry my audio might be weird i forgot my headset but uh, uh hopefully you guys appreciated the the thoughts that were shared tonight and if you have any uh comments or anything don't uh, don't hesitate to reach out uh on instagram at elk valley latter-day saint on facebook at elk valley latter-day saint we're on spiritual crusade as well and uh, yeah, and we'll be happy to 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 respond or or, or uh, you know answer any questions you guys might have. Have a good evening. See you later. Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Give us a like, follow, or rating wherever you consume podcasts, or come find us on Instagram or spiritualcrusade.com. We hope you're uplifted by this general conference review. Don't forget to review and study the words of the prophets and apostles, and we challenge you to find something from these talks which speaks to your soul and helps you to find meaningful growth and draw closer to our Savior.